Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Jen Yunt Coles from The SIBO Coach. Jen is an AFMC certified functional medical practitioner, certified integrative nutrition health coach, and a certified acupressure practitioner. Not only is she a SIBO survivor, but she's now an expert guide and support to others who feel stuck in their SIBO healing journey. She's a mother of two active and creative teenagers. Jen is currently based out of Sacramento and loves to sit on her sunny patio, practices Tai Chi, and plays guitar for her sanity. She is a writer, home renovator, and on a mission to live a life with more energy, clarity, and real joy. Guys, this episode is jam-packed with next-level um, information. I really had a, such a great time interviewing Jen. Uh, I wish I could have spent another two hours with her, but we're trying to keep this under a, an hour and less. In this episode, we talk about what is SIBO, symptoms, root causes, gut health, gut, heart, mind connection, um, how stress and the gut in conjunction with the foods that we're eating and all of this contribute to the level of down that we may be feeling. You guys know my story with everything that has happened to me in the uh, recent and distant past. And you know how important um, I preach, how important doing simple things do uh, to get exponential stuff. And Jen is living proof of this. This entire episode, you're going to find out why. So grab a pen and paper. Please grab a pen and paper and start taking notes on this because it's going to change your life. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to ask you if you are ready to take your life to the next level. Join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today and get exclusive access to a range of exciting perks. As a, as a subscriber, you will be the first to know about our new episodes, and you'll get early access before they're released to the public. But that's not all. You'll also receive a one-on-one -on -one phone call with me where we'll sit down and discuss your fitness, health and wellness, and lifestyle goals and how we will help you achieve them. You'll also get free access to our private community where we hold monthly community calls and weekly calls to talk about the episodes that were released and how you're applying the lessons to your life today. And that's not all. As a member of our exclusive community, you'll gain access to some exciting programs that we're about to launch so you can continue your journey towards health and wellness. Join the Fitness, Fitness Oracle newsletter today and start your journey towards a happier, healthier you. Now, on with the show.
Jen, welcome to the show. Hey, John. It's so great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It's great for you to be on, and I can't wait for this conversation. So how's um, how's the weekend so far? How's the weekend treating you? Yeah, so it's been great. I'm in Sacramento, and it's finally spring here after a long winter. So I spent a lot of my day outside yesterday. Everything's blooming. I've been working on a kitchen project, so lots of painting. Uh, lots of balls in the air for me right now. Awesome. 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 And I love spring. Spring and fall are my two favorite seasons. Yes. Same. Same here, <laughs> especially in Sacramento because the summers are so brutal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always start off the episode with uh, just trying to get a good, good understanding of why you do what you do. So what first got you interested in the line of work that you do? Yeah, so that's a great question, John. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of my background, right? So as a child, I was the kid in the nurse's office with a stomach ache. I have these memories of like getting out of the bathtub as a child and just curling up on the floor in a ball from having stomach pain. And that kind of was my life for many, many decades. And uh, I eventually just kind of got into doing uh, alternative health after a car accident. I learned about acupressure and Chinese medicine. And that kind of just started me on my alternative health journey, I guess you would say. And eventually I went to school for health coaching. Uh, I love being able to help people elevate their lifestyle habits and things like that and move forward, find more joy in life. And I feel like oftentimes I will see people and even in my personal life, you know, there's so much going on and we get so overwhelmed and we don't really take good care of ourselves. And so that's really kind of my passion right now is really trying to communicate that message of, hey, let's get back to taking care of ourselves, right? <laughs> and so then of true. course, I eventually ended up going to a functional medicine school and becoming the SIBO coach. So here I am now. Very cool. Very cool. Um, have there any been, have there ever been any moments where you said, screw this. I'm just going to go find a nine <laughs> to five. I'm just going to go bury myself in somebody else's work. And I don't have to worry about, you know, finding clients and maintaining this and maintaining that. And have there been moments like that? Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for calling me out on that. Actually, that happened to me about a year and a half ago. Uh, once I became the SIBO coach, you know, I kind of rebranded my functional medicine business to really just focus on digestive issues the word kind of got out, which was really awesome, uh, but I got really overwhelmed. I had a wait list. I had practitioners referring to me and I kind of had a little bit of a spiral out, right? I had a lot of things going on in my personal life. I had just lost my brother to suicide and uh, lots of things going on. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I hit a little bit of a rock bottom, right? So I thought to myself, what is the next step? How can I get out of this? And I did think about quitting. And what happened was I came in contact with a friend of a friend who ended up being a business coach. And she helped me design a way to redevelop my program, offer a group program. So I'm still helping more people, but in less amount of time so that I can create more space for my own self-healing. And that was the key. So yeah, I did kind of spiral out there for a while with, with overwhelm. But I was able to, you know, get myself back up and brush myself off. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that this morning. So. Yeah. Right. We all kind of go through that. It's an ebb and it. flow, right? Nothing is linear. So you are a SIBO coach. What is SIBO? Yeah. So great question. Uh, SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. 
And it's a mouthful, I know, but essentially what it means is that you've got bacteria hanging out in your small intestines that's not supposed to be there. We know that we have, uh, you know, a plethora of different varieties and strains of bacteria in the colon, the large bowel. And sometimes those things will migrate up into the small intestine for a number of reasons, or we've been um, exposed to medications or we've taken antibiotics and things like that, that alter that microbiome in the small intestines. And when we have an overgrowth, that's when we start to see issues. Uh, and we can talk a little bit about what those symptoms look like if you want. Oh, well, let's, let's dive deep into, yeah. <laughs> the, into the issues because um, uh, a lot of people, um, and we're going to get into this a little bit later on in the show. Um, there is a mind, body, and heart connection that goes with the gut, and we need to understand. And uh, I think I think you're the best. Uh, you're you're the best expert in this to help explain um, what some of the symptoms may be when it comes to understanding whether or not you do have SIBO or not, and what can you do. So, uh, what are what are some of the symptoms? Yeah. So there's a handful of them and some of them might sound familiar to you if you've ever had experience with IBS. I don't know if you've heard of mm -hmm. that or been diagnosed with that at any point in your life, um, but that's kind of a catch-all, right, of symptoms. It's not necessarily a, a dialed-in diagnosis of sorts, but uh, it's things like bloating, distension, gas, specifically feeling bloated about an hour or so after you've eaten a meal, uh, you know, constipation, diarrhea, or alternating between the two. It can look like fatigue, depression, and anxiety. Uh, and specifically things like uh, with hydrogen sulfide SIBO, which is the third type of SIBO, you get all of these really nice extra symptoms like heart palpitations, body temperature dysregulation, uh, increased anxiety. Uh, for women, it's things like vulvodynia or bladder pain. Uh, you can get skin rashes and brain fog. I mean, the list goes on. So uh, some of them are quite what we consider common symptoms in this day and age, but they're not normal, right? Hmm, interesting. That yeah. explains a lot about me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you could say that for a lot of men out there too. Uh, they do. Um, we'll get into uh, nutrition. Actually, maybe we should maybe we should touch up a little bit on nutrition. There is this one nutritional program um, that's come into the light recently with one of the main podcasts, the, the main podcaster, Joe Rogan, who's doing the uh, the carnivore diet. Mm -hmm. um, I can see in short spurts there's a benefit to having uh, to doing. The carnivore diet, but coming from a personal trainer and a little bit of nutritional background that I have, I don't have a lot, and I'm by far far from an expert from nutrition. You do need to mix it up. You do need to have vegetables, fruits, and grains, and well, grains, yes and no, depending. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to get your perspective on it. What is um? Do you see the carnivore diet done in long periods of time detrimental to a person's well-being? And what are some tips that you can give somebody to um, help integrate and my or migrate that kind of nutritional program in their life? 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really important question because actually I'm seeing more and more of this in my practice. And I think it's kind of, you know, the new black out there doing things like keto and really strict paleo um, and just eating meat like these corner carnivore diets. And it is, you know, maybe in the short term beneficial to you for some reason, maybe you want to lose weight and that's the way you're going, you know, you're using that kind of a diet, but generally speaking, it isn't that great for your intestinal microbiome, right? Because you're not getting a diverse, um, you know, different types of fibers, um, and carbs in there to create different types of, you know, uh, allowing you to get different nutrients from your food. You're not getting that diversity that you need. Um, and I will see in, in practice, sometimes people will come, they've been on keto, they were trying to lose weight or they were on a carnivore diet, right? They're trying to build muscle, especially in the case of, you know, my male clients and, you know, they start having these symptoms, like all of a sudden they're having increased gas or bloating. And it's because, uh, you know, our bodies weren't designed to just live on that one type of thing, in my opinion, right? We all, there's so many schools of thought out there, of course, and, uh, you know, everyone's doing their own thing. But I will say that one diet isn't, you know, the end all be all for everyone. Everyone is so highly unique. We all have different microbiomes and uh, having a variety of foods is actually, in my opinion, the best way to go. I will always encourage that for my clients. We may go on a restricted diet of some sort for a particular amount of time. Uh, but I never encourage people to be on a restricted diet long term because I just don't see the benefit of that. I agree. Did that answer your question? <laughs> 100%. And I agree with you 100% on it. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, I'm going to be only eating meat for the rest of my life. Uh, okay, I like my meat. I like a good steak like everybody else. But I mean, yeah, right. There's like fruits exactly. and vegetables that I enjoy too. Like I love avocado. Like I'm not going to give up avocado just because, you know, Joe Rogan is on the. <laughs> Anyways, what are some of the root causes of SIBO? Yeah. So there are many, John, many, many root causes of SIBO. And I'll just name a few here, but some of the more common ones that I see are things like about a food poisoning, for instance, or, uh, you know, antibiotic use, say you had a root canal recently and you had antibiotics that may shift the microbiome in your gut, or even things like ongoing use of antibiotics as a child. I see a lot of people coming with health history that have had you know, ear infections for much of their childhood or, or women and men who have had UTIs for whatever reason they, you know, are chronically given antibiotics. So that's a top one. Another one I see quite often is the use or overuse and long-term use of PPIs, which are proton pump inhibitors. And those things do what they say. They reduce your stomach acid and they were never really designed to be taken long-term. And unfortunately, there are many people in the world right now taking them for decades. And what happens when you decrease your stomach acid? Well, you decrease your likelihood of, you know, eliminating any bacteria on food that you're consuming. And you're also impairing digestion. So that leaves a lot of food fodder in a buffet for things that aren't getting digested well in the small intestines to then be fermenting. And then you have SIBO. Uh, there's other things, right? So um, other prescriptions, things like birth control pills and SSRIs will also alter the function of your bile flow, uh, your enzymatic processes in the digestive tract, 
your um, ability to have a robust MMC, which is a migrating motor complex, and that's the sweeping or cleansing wave uh, to get the trash out from the day, right? You don't want to leave your trash, your food sitting around in there. You want to move it through. And so a lot of those things will impair your digestive uh, you know, process and then set you up for something like SIBO. Uh, again, something like the typical American diet, you're not getting a lot of, of those um, natural probiotics to keep things in check, uh, you know, polyphenols and healing nutrients so that, you know, you get that impaired gut lining after you're eating a lot of junk, junk food and things that, you know, you shouldn't be eating. Uh, you know, there's other things like uh, maybe you had a surgery and you've built up some scar tissue and that's causing a kink or a blockage in your intestinal tract and things aren't moving through like they should. Uh, there's also something really that's coming to light a little more now is called Ehrlos-Danlos syndrome. And this is a connective, um, a connective tissue disease where it affects, you know, how your muscular processes are working in the digestive tract and your uh, what you call them sphincters or the valves that are connecting the different parts of your intestinal tract. So, I mean, there's a lot and I could probably name 50 other ones, but those are the most common. <laughs> well, it basically sounds like it's uh, all the extra added, all the extra additives in our foods and in the, uh, in the medications that some people are, uh, are taking that is uh, causing this um, deterioration or this inept ability for the stomach to break down the food properly. Um, you said something about the American the the, the American diet, and um, I have a hard time with the American diet because it's such a America and Canada is such a huge melting pot of different types of cultures and it's it's hard to uh to identify the american i get what you mean like steak and uh like heavy beef and heavy chicken and all that stuff deep fried what is there like a like a i guess what i'm trying to say is is there like some kind of uh diet that you recommend for people to do is there a certain uh doctor to like i i i love dr pottinger and dr uh dr western nate price i mm -hmm. love those two i love those two doctors those two doctors i i swear by i think yeah. they nailed the they hit the they hit the nail right on the head is there anything that you can help with people in in that context yeah so i know it sounds really simple right but thinking about eating real food <laughs> Uh, you know, when, so for instance, we go to the grocery store and the whole place is just filled with things in cans and boxes, right? And you look at the ingredients and half of them, you can't even say they're not actual food, right? They're just like food products, yeah. uh, food science, right? And so I always suggest people go on the outside of the grocery store. That's where you're finding the veggies and the fruits, the produce aisle, you know, even like if you're doing gluten and things, you can find those fresh breads that usually have fewer ingredients, um, in the meat section and the fish section, you know, eating good, um, grass fed pasture raised kind of dairy and meats and things like that. Um, you know, obviously if you're not vegan, that's a good choice, right? So, um, keeping it simple, having homemade meals, right. And, you know, making real food, having time together with your family, not eating on the run. I mean, this is huge. Americans get fast food full of processed chemicals, 
preservatives, um, you know, glyphosate, for instance, and non, you know, those GMO types of foods that we're eating, uh, you know, food coloring, those things are now known to be shown to cause cancer and all that sort of thing. So just avoiding fast food and eating in your car is a huge way to get started on having a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, we're going to go off on a little tangent here. You said something okay. where the America with, with the fast food mentality. And I love, and I love this concept because I come from a Greek background. Uh, my descent, my heritage is Greece is, is Greek. So uh, we have a history of being able to sit down with a family and eat as a family. And I know in the fifties and sixties in, in Canada and in America, that was a hard, fast rule. You sit down with a family, no matter how bad or how good your day was, you sit down for dinner or supper and you have a meal with the family. How important is that for, um, for people in general, for like your digestive system, your mental, your, your mental capacity, everything. Well, how important is that? Yeah, it's pretty huge. <laughs> it's at the top of the list. Actually. One of the first things that I talk to my clients about when they come to me is how to slow down, right? We're talking about this thing called eating hygiene. Uh, it's a fancy word for basically what are our eating hype, you know, our eating habits look like, right? So when you're preparing your meal, even the smells and looking at your food, you're starting to stimulate enzymes and things like that. And so going through that process is really important instead of going through a drive-through and getting something and it's in a bag and then all of a sudden it's there. You didn't get to prepare your body to, you know, consume that food. And sitting down with your family or your friends, this is a calming act, right? Or at least hopefully we, hopefully it's calming. <laughs> Depends on how chaotic your family is. Uh, like for instance, I have teenagers and sometimes it gets a little wild, but, but anyway, the point is to sit, you know, properly in a chair, not curled up on the couch, watching Netflix while you eat, you know, you need to have proper posture so that all your organs are working properly and, you know, just feeling grounded with your feet on the floor. It's really simple, right? Um, but there's things that get overlooked and we're not doing them on a regular basis. I think there's also something to be said with, you know, about giving thanks and having a moment of gratitude before you consume your meal, calming your nervous system in that moment so that you can receive the, those nutrients and be able to produce those optimal digestive juices, right? So that you can break down your food. And just having connection with your friends and family in that moment and having, you know, conversation and talk about your day. It's a way we can process through stress and, you know, other emotions that might be going on. And I think it's kind of an all around holistic approach. Uh, and it's very, very simple. It's just something that we're missing. Um, I can go on so many different ways on this. Um, and I don't <laughs> feel like getting kicked off of Facebook again or YouTube. So, uh oh. <laughs> Not again. Careful now, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just heard that uh, a major pharmaceutical company uh, bought out another major food production company. And it's like you can start to see the connection between the big pharma and food and food distribution. And what are they trying to do? Because businesses are in for to create business. That's right. Right. So um, when I hear bear buying out Monsanto it's like what are you guys doing like yeah. uh, <laughs> uh 
I mean, it almost it almost feels like that they want to poison the food to push out their pills. You it know? does seem that way, doesn't it, John? Uh, and <laughs> I don't feel like getting you get kicked off of Facebook. I mean, I've been already kicked off twice. It might be third time's a charm. But let's talk about the me- let's talk about the medicine. And we won't get kicked off of Facebook. And I won't, I promise I won't. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. What's your question? Um, here in Canada, we have a different way of doing medicine. Uh, we have a quote unquote socialized way of doing medicine. Uh, I know Americans see, uh, see that the Canadian system is better because it's quote unquote free, which really isn't. Uh, we pay through our taxes. We just don't see it. What's your opinion? How do you see that the how do you see that the the that the both systems may be failing? Because I see both systems failing. Yeah, so that's a really interesting question, right? Um, honestly, personally, in my life, I'm kind of rebelling against against the conventional medicine approach to medicine. Uh, you know, I've, I've gone through the rigmarole. I've gone through the whole process of, you know, organized conventional medicine in this country and it hasn't been helpful. And those are the types of people that I see in my practice, right. Who have been through that whole system and still aren't getting help. Uh, I feel, I don't know if this is necessarily addressing your exact question, but I do feel like the way things are going right now, root cause solutions are not being addressed, right? This is kind of why I rebel against that conventional approach. I feel like we put ourselves in this box with a name on it, right? A diagnosis, and then it's matched to whatever pharmaceutical there is. You know, pharmaceutical companies have their fingers and hands into everything at this point, including doctors in your doctor office, right? They go in and try to push their pills in there. That's common knowledge. Everybody knows that, right? Um, but is that in your best interest? That's the question. And I don't hear a lot of conventional medicine doctors asking important questions like, why do you have this symptom? Where is this coming from? What can we do to address the root cause and create a solution instead of just putting a Band-Aid or adding a pill and then having to add another pill because of the side effect of that pill, et cetera, et cetera, right? We go down this whole path. And I see a lot of people and even people in my own family who are really suffering at this point because of this disservice from the medical community and, you know, getting stuck in like polypharmacy and how does that affect your well-being and your longevity and all of that. So, yeah, it's a big issue. Yeah. Um, I saw it with my grandfather. My grandfather passed away uh, 2015 and um, for about 10, 15 years, he had one heart condition. He was taking 20 pills. Oh my goodness. Two yeah. pills was for the actual condition. The 18, the rest, the 18 pills that he was taking extra was for the side effects for those two pills. And it was like, yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want to end up like him. Yeah. So, I'm really sorry to hear about that. That is really frustrating. And of course, obviously very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, it's life sometimes when people don't take care of themselves. It's what happens. Speaking of which, I don't want to put all the blame on the doctors. It does come down to the individual. Exactly. How can you help somebody identify what is good, what is bad, so that they can, um, on one hand, ease off the pressure off the medical, off the off 
modern medicine and doctors, and on the other hand, take control of their lives. Yeah, yeah, that's really important, right? So first, I guess I might think to say, you know, obviously there is a space for our conventional medicine system. It saves lives on a daily basis, right? And I've been the recipient of that life-saving, you know, um, system in the past. So I'm not, you know, talking badly about the whole system and every doctor, because obviously everyone is different. Uh, but I would say that in general, obviously it is the patient or the client's responsibility to ask questions, do their research, listen to their intuition, um, you know, push back if something doesn't feel good. I always try to, you know, inspire my clients to feel really empowered, to ask those really important questions like, hey, I need an extra 10 minutes, not just the 10 minutes that I'm here for, right? <laughs> and I have this XYZ, you know, question and I want to get some answers. Or do you have a resource to point me towards? Uh, you know, I want to do my own research. Uh, I think it's really important for individuals to understand that they are the ones that are going to heal themselves. It's not this doctor in an office and it's not me as a coach. It's your responsibility to rise to the occasion, to ask questions, to be your own advocate and really kind of internalize that message that you are in charge of your own life and you can make decisions. You know, if you go into your doctor's office and they, you know, you have 10 minutes with them and you say, I have the symptom and they write your prescription and then you're on your way. Have you been given information about possible side effects or have you been giving information about how long you actually need to be on that medication? I've had people come to me who have been on something for, you know, 20 years and they were only supposed to be on it for six months. So there's not a lot of communication. So that's one thing I really encourage my clients and anyone really, and your, you know, people, your listeners here to, to stand up for themselves and ask more questions, be their own advocate. Yeah. Um, I also have been on the receiving end of like, just like you life-saving. Um, but I've also educated my own doctor on something. He thought yeah. I was, he thought I was uh, lactose intolerant, but I actually was actually gluten intolerant. I did okay. the test for lactose intolerance and I was 100% lactose intolerant, air quotes there. And um, I cut out gluten for six months and I can eat pizza. Again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll oh. just say too, you know, in defense of medical doctors at this point, you know, they're not getting, they're not getting a lot of training and nutrition and holistic approach to, to healing. So, you know, and can they be held responsible for what they don't know? Obviously no, but uh, we, we do put a lot of faith and stock in what they say. So it's important for us to kind of, you know, be aware of what they're suggesting and how it feels to us. Just because a doctor recommends something doesn't mean you have to do it. Exactly. And I, and as a personal trainer, um, you can, you can't be a master of all and being a doctor. I mean, they come, patients come to doctors with, so a, a so many different variety of issues. It's like they can't, a, a GP can't be a master of everything. Okay. Doesn't understand full neurology and this and that and gastrointestinal stuff. And I agree with you. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. I'll just share really quickly, John. I had this experience several years ago uh, when I was on my own SIBO journey. Um, what happened actually was that I was so stressed out by life circumstances 
that I ended up with broken heart syndrome. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's Takotsubo myocarditis. It's caused by extreme trauma or stress. And my body at that point was just so freaked out by everything, right? So I had this heart event and that was my first interaction with the functional medicine doctor. And she's the one that brought up SIBO to me and I had never even heard of it. And at that time I was tested and then treated and, uh, you know, then it ended up coming back. And so I didn't have the direction that I needed. And I ended up going to, you know, my, my PC and then to a GI specialist. And at one point after months and months of going around with her, she finally said to me, Hey, Jen, you know more about SIBO than I do, because I had, you know, just dove in and was doing all my own research and going back to school for functional medicine and the, this whole thing. And, and, you know, in a way that feels defeating for us to feel like we know more than our doctor, but, you know, there has to be that communication there and just realization that everyone is a human and we're all doing the best we can. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but to really just keep looking for the answers. If the person that you're sitting in front of doesn't know the answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, 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 pro the problem that I have is that people have a tendency of saying, well, my doctor told me this. No, your doctor recommended that he made a recommendation or she made a recommendation that you potentially have something that you may need to look at, go see a specialist. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I digress. You can talk about that all day long. <laughs> all day, all day long. Like, like I have, like, I'm, I'm torn between, I'm torn between the doctors in the, in, in the, in the field, because here in Canada, it's um, the doctors here are very, um, uh government regulated there yeah. whatever the government says they're, they're going to be getting their they're going to be getting paid through the government and it's uh it's good and it's bad let's just yeah. leave it at that there are pros and cons there are <laughs> pros and cons i'm not trying to be negative nelly against conventional medicine i just feel like there's a place for it right <laughs> do you do you think that um uh Physicians should be open a little bit more open to naturopathic remedies rather than big pharma remedies. Yeah. So, you know, I was, that's a good question. I was actually on a call recently and uh, you know, one of the doctors was asked, you know, do you ever use herbals for this sort of thing? And, and he was just totally closed off to the idea. And we know that you know, there are so many alternative ways of thinking. That's a really big thing that I do in my practice where I'm just thinking outside of the box. Let's not get trapped into this one thing. Everyone is highly unique. One person, you know, this thing might work for this person over here, but not for this other person. And I think it is a good idea for, you know, doctors to be open to that kind of thing. We know that there are modalities like, you know, uh, acupressure, for instance, or acupuncture and massage and red light therapy and cryotherapy and all sorts of things like that. There's herbals that we can use that have been shown for centuries to be effective, right? Or homeopathics, uh, you know, sometimes I'll use those in my practice or even things like essential oils can be really powerful mm -hmm. for self-healing and to be closed off to those options, you know, that's really kind of small minded thinking, in my opinion. Well, considering that, you know, we've been using natural remedies for the past, what, like five, 6,000 years. I mean, what, exactly. Yeah. What are the, what are the ancestors know? <laughs> what do they know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, switching gears a little bit, switching gears back to uh, what what we really want to talk about here is um, the, the the gut issues and disease. Yeah. Um, I made a little bit of a mention to this at the beginning of the show. Uh, the our bodies technically have three brains. I just came into this concept and this idea uh, last week, and it blew me away. And I'm really diving deep into it. I think maybe you can bring some clarification to this. Our bodies yeah, have. So Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> our bodies have three brains, the one in our head, the one in our chest, and then the one just in our belly. And all these three brains, they all talk to each other. And I'm really starting to do tons of research on this. So I want, to, I want, I want you to help me um, clarify that a little bit for my audience. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good one, John. Um, I, you know, this is something that I'm getting more and more into in my practice as well. Right. So it's not just about the gut when we're talking about gut symptoms and, you know, just from my experience in traditional Chinese medicine, you know, we have these energy meridians, right. And things that are connected. And in that theory, we understand that the heart and the small intestines are connected. They're like sister meridians and the lungs and the large intestine are also connected. And so I think that's really fascinating when I'm looking at a person who possibly has been through some sort of emotional trauma or has experienced grief and loss. Oftentimes they will have, you know, digestive symptoms. If someone has had, you know, uh, a divorce recently or a, you know, a traumatic breakup with someone, they'll suddenly be having this kind of uh, intestinal issue that they didn't have before. I say suddenly in quotes, right? Because we know that it's all connected and it's been brewing for a while, right? Uh, I see this in my practice a lot. I saw it in my personal life, uh, relationship, you know, drama and feeling, you know, isolated or disconnected from my spouse really had an effect on my gut as well. I see this in practice with people, uh, you know, talking about how they lost a loved one. Um, and then all of a sudden now they have these IBS types of symptoms, uh, you know, and also just in, in general, we have this vagus nerve, right? This is the nerve that goes from the brain to the gut. And this is a super highway of information. We used to think that the brain was talking to the gut, but actually we know now that the higher percentage is the communication going from the gut to the brain. And it's a constant survey of what's going on in our environment, right? So you could actually say that it's not our brain that's in charge of us, it's our gut microbes, right? Which is really interesting idea to think about. And, you know, like germs are controlling you at this point. <laughs> uh, but I think it's important to kind of just realize that one affects the other. Everything is a tangled web, right? Nothing is isolated. And this is a huge thing that I try to educate people on you know, and I hope that this is one, you know, main thing that your, your listeners take away is that everything is connected in the body. If you're having digestive symptoms, in my opinion, it's not just what's going on in your gut. It could be, you know, emotional, it could be mental, it could just be things in your environment, maybe there's chaos. If there's chaos in your mind, you're likely going to have chaos in your gut. Or, you know, if you're not speaking your truth, if you aren't communicating things that are simmering in your soul, right? Mm -hmm. uh, those things can get trapped in the body and affect things like digestion. And so we know that high stress, for instance, is a big culprit of that, whether it's, 
mental stress because, you know, you're at work and you're overloaded or relationship stress because, you know, you're having issues with your teenagers or, or your spouse or coworkers or, um, physiological stress. Maybe you're eating too much junk food and drinking soda all day, or maybe you're just laying on the couch and not getting active, or maybe your environment is full of toxins. Maybe you work in a place that you're getting chemical exposures or eating foods that, uh, you know, have been sprayed with chemicals, all of those signal stress to the body. And when you're under stress, you know, you're in that sympathetic nervous system dominance, and then you're not digesting or resting or healing. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I actually studied, uh, Chinese, Chinese, I want to say Chinese medicine, but TCM, I did a little bit of it. Uh Um, I never formally studied. I studied under a Chinese medicine doctor and, uh, it was quite interesting how, how trying to identify the meridian, like you said, the, the uh the heart meridian is sister to the large intestine small intestines small yeah. intestine mm-hmm. there's sister there's sister meridians but trying to f- identify which if whether it's like underactive or overactive and how you can actually draw energy away from it or feed it energy it, it was really fascinating um because that if i remember is a earth meridian Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Because those things can kind of shift and it also depends on what your kind of your personality type is. Right. So all of those things can be in the mix. Um, I don't know. Did you ever have experience with doing things like Qigong or Tai Chi? Did that ever help you kind of manage some of your stress or your symptoms? No, I have not because I always, uh, I was more, I was, when it came to the martial arts part, um, I was more into the more physical stuff i wasn't really into the energy stuff mm-hmm. um when i was a kid uh I, w- I, w- I was i was in karate so it was very japanese style wasn't chinese and uh i couldn't get into it i was what eight yeah. eight yeah. to twelve I, I was like i what am i doing sitting here doing nothing like just tell me to do something <laughs> And it kind of went against of uh, the Greek orthodoxy that I had. So uh, that's, uh, yeah, I understand the yin and the yang. I get it. Now I get it. Uh, but I never really did the qigong and all that tai chi. Yeah. Never. Well, let me give you a shout out for that. Like just plant that seed right there and maybe look into it and give it a try. It's so energizing and calming at the same time. It can be used for so many different things, not just gut issues, obviously, but a really great way to shift your energy if you need to do that. Okay. Yeah. Look. Yeah. (laughs) But sticking with the gut stuff, because uh, this is what you're an expert in, and I want to focus on this. How can the gut affect your brain? Because I've heard this before. Okay. So there's a few ways, right? And this is just kind of off the cuff, off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, so like I said earlier, microbes are kind of mostly in charge at this point. So they're constantly gathering information. You know, are you stressed? Do you have anxiety? Uh, Is there chaos in the gut right now? Are we over fermenting things? Are we, you know, not digesting well? Are we not getting our nutrients? And it sends all that information to the brain. So that can cause things like depression and anxiety and overwhelm and overthinking. I have a lot of people come to me who are just like, I lay in bed and all I do is think, like I can't turn my brain off. 
you know, panic attacks uh, can be rooted in the gut dysbiosis, right? And so that's something that I'll see often. There's the other thing too, is that it can also cause this thing where if you feel like you're having symptoms and maybe you don't want to go travel or maybe you don't want to go in a car ride or, you know, you're feeling nervous about something and it triggers, uh, you know, more symptoms. So it creates this terrible cycle of anxiety and symptoms and symptoms and anxiety. Uh, did I answer your question? <laughs> I go, I start going on a tangent and then I forget what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I, the question was like, how does the gut control like the thought patterns in, in a person? Yeah. So you were, so, you were, you're on the way there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even through the tangent, you're still on the way there, which is great. <laughs> uh, so, so this is what happens, right? If, if we're not getting, um, key nutrients, for instance, so say, so say you have a dysbiosis in the gut and you have inflammation and your absorption of key nutrients for neurotransmitters and things like that is impaired. So then you're not getting that proper message to the brain or it's off, right? Something is askew. Maybe you're getting too much of something like, for instance, if you're eating foods with MSG, that could be affecting the way your brain works, right? It dysregulates the whole GABA to glutamate balance in the brain. This is the calming and the excitatory neurotransmitters. Uh, also just the message of if you're safe, right? And, you know, if you don't feel safe, then you're constantly in that fight or flight. You may have really tunnel vision and can't see, you know, the big picture of things. You may, you know, struggle with making decisions about things, you know, ruminating over, you know, important decisions. You can't come up to, you know, you get stuck in analysis paralysis, we say, uh, you know, you know, having a hard time sorting out emotions too. You know, we kind of think about things, but also in the heart, again, all those things are connected, like you were saying before. Also, we know um, from more studies now that I'm sure you've heard of something called leaky gut. This is when the intestinal lining is impaired and those tight junctions now are open and food particles are getting into the immune system. I mean, getting into the bloodstream and causing an immune reaction. Uh, that's another signal to the brain that you're not safe. And we know now that if you have a leaky gut, you may also have what we call a leaky blood brain barrier. So things are getting in and out of the blood brain barrier that are not supposed to be there. So that could be affecting your cognitive function and your overall well-being. Is leaky gut syndrome curable? Well, as a coach, I'm not supposed to say things that are curable, <laughs> but Fair yes, enough. it is, I'll say quote, overcomable. <laughs> and, uh, yes, you can do things to, you know, like clearing dysbiosis, regulating the microbiome, you know, creating a diverse, healthy, happy, healthy, you know, environment in there, and then doing certain things like, uh, you know, eating certain foods and incorporating certain key nutrients to heal the gut lining. So yes, it's overcomable. <laughs> I, as a, as a personal trainer, I, and, um, post rehab specialist, I should know better for asking such a stupid question <laughs> in that way. Well, I keep telling my boss, stop telling people I can fix them. I am not allowed to tell them I can fix them. Yeah. I, I can right. get into a lot of trouble by saying people I can fix you. So I should have asked that question a little bit better. I apologize. Well, and again, to your point, remember, like we're saying earlier, 
you know, people are in charge of healing themselves. It's not us as, you know, as practitioners, we can guide and inspire and empower you to make certain decisions and choices for your life, but it's your responsibility, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. So um, I should have asked that question a little bit, a lot better. So it's okay. You're off the hook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are some of the steps that somebody can take if they feel that they have uh, any SIBO or leaky gut or IBS, what are some of the steps that you can, you can help them with uh, right now that they can do right now so that they can start to feel better? Yeah. So great question. And this may seem a little vague because it's going to be different for everyone. Everyone is highly unique, but I would say in general, You could start by trying to do, you know, a a particular, a specific type of, you know, elimination diet. So eliminating the things, you know, that are already triggers for you. Uh, There are tests out there that you can get, you know, there's a new IBS smart test that tells you if you've had, you know, food poisoning and have created an antibody, which would be information about whether or not you have IBS. Uh, you know, that can also clue you into perhaps if you have SIBO, the, you know, the only way really to understand what type of bacteria is going on in the small intestines is to take a sample of what we call the digestive juices in there. Right. So that's pretty invasive. Another way you can do that is by doing a SIBO breath test. And that's a three hour lactulose test, uh, where you are breathing into this apparatus And it's measuring how much gas is being, you know, what's fermenting in the small intestines and then turning into gas and moving through the lungs and out through your breath. Um, Is any test 100% accurate? No, it's always just a moment in time. You're capturing information in that moment. Uh, But those are good ways to kind of get some information, right? Uh, You know, stool testing is a really great way to get clues on what's going on in the large intestines. And it can also give you a little insight to what may be going on in the small intestines. But as far as SIBO specifically goes, you'd want to do like a three hour breath test. Uh, But, you know, if you're just hanging out at home and you want to get started today, I would say, You know, if you've noticed that you're getting bloated, say after an hour or an hour and a half after eating, that could be good information that something is fermenting in there, right? So take a look at what you're eating. Maybe keep a food journal. You know, I ate this at such and such time. And then an hour and a half later, I felt bloated or I felt angry and frustrated or I had diarrhea. Whatever the symptom was, you can kind of keep track and start making a correlation. I have, I'm a really big proponent of journaling because it's so much information, right? Another way too is to start regulating your nervous system and start doing things that would encourage your, you know, stress management, you know, doing things like we just said, Qigong and Tai Chi, or, you know, going to your favorite yoga class or going for a walk with your dog, things that are going to kind of lower the stress level will help you digest your food better. Again, going back to the top of the hour, when we started talking, the eating hygiene, slowing down and actually chewing your food till it's liquid. You know, we get in this habit where we're like taking a bite and it's like three chews and then down it goes, right? We got to chew our food till it's liquid in order to optimize that digestion. Guilty as charged. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) those are some simple things that you could do on your own at home, right? Yeah. Um, I have a friend. 
I really do have a friend. You're asking uh, for a friend. I'm asking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you could say I'm asking for a friend. Um, this guy, um, every time I talk to him, I'm like, okay, let's go for a beer. Oh, I can't drink beer. I'm allergic to wheat. I haven't, mm -hmm. I have I'm allergic to this. I'm allergic to that. I'm allergic to this. I'm like, dude, like last week, uh, yesterday, no, today. I'm like, he asked me, he goes, we, where do you want to go for lunch? I'm like, I don't know. You're allergic to life. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> he literally got a, an allergy test and he's basically allergic to almost everything. Yep. Do you know it's, what that means? <laughs> I have no clue what that means. I feel bad for the poor guy because he's like, we can't go, he can't go out to go enjoy like a beer night and beer and wings with the guys. Like it, I feel bad for the guy. So yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. So that's, that's a good one too. You're asking lots of great questions today, John. So <laughs> when I see a food test come back and it's like, the person says to me, oh my gosh, this is what I eat every day. It's everything that I eat. I'm allergic to it, right? Well, those food tests are kind of giving you more information of what you have created an antibody reaction or an immune reaction to. And that's mostly a sign that if it comes back, you know, flagged red for all the foods that you've been eating on a regular basis, that's a sign to me that you have leaky gut because those undigested food particles are getting through that lining that we were talking about. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have, quote, an actual allergy uh, to, you know, those foods. It just means he needs to heal the gut lining. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Now, this is going to go, this is, we're going to go into a little bit of a, a little bit of a tangent on this one. Okay. What if you approach this person? What if you approach this guy? Okay. And you say, you know what? I think you might have a leaky gut syndrome. And he's resistant to your, um, to your, uh, uh, recommendation. And he's mm -hmm. like, well, the doctors told me that I'm allergic. So it's an allergy and I can never eat it again. How can you approach somebody who thinks that they know everything? <laughs> <laughs> well, first you take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, that's tricky, right? Because sometimes we get kind of caught up in what, you know, what our thinking is the right way of thinking. And, you know, this is often sometimes something I have to check myself on, right? Just be open-minded and go back to that kind of beginner's mind of thinking. If you have leaky gut and you're reacting to everything, my first question would be, well, if you don't take my recommendation, what is your plan? Do you have a plan B? What are you going to do to overcome this, right? Uh, just be, being mindful of what are your options, okay? Uh, is your option to, you know, try this other thing and, uh, you know, move forward and hope it gives you results? Is the other option just staying the same and still suffering and not getting nutrients that you need because you can't eat anything, uh, you know, if you want something to change, something has to change, right? That's kind of the tough love talk that I have to give people. And then once they're kind of open, you know, to, you know, reconsidering, we might have a conversation. Well, this feels good, but this doesn't. Okay, well, well let's compromise and, and make a plan for, for you, right? Everyone is so highly unique, like I've said, that not one size fits all. The other thing too, is that I might say, you know, maybe we need to get some key nutrients in there and change your diet a little bit. And start eating foods that are a little easier to digest for a little while, like soups and smoothies and things like that, uh, just to kind of calm the nervous system down a little bit. 
and to, you know, give your body access to those nutrients that are a little easier to digest than having a steak and a baked potato. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so I might start there. I might start thinking about certain nutrients. Obviously I don't want to just blurt out a bunch of vitamins on your, on your podcast. I don't know how, you know, you know, how legal that is to do that. Uh, but you know, there's key vitamins and minerals that are needed to help heal up and seal that tight junction back, uh, in a way that will be optimal for, you know, flow back and forth. So there are methodical steps that you can take. And I would just try to, you know, communicate and educate that person that they have the choice to do this or not. But if you want to make a change, you got to take a step forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. That's good advice. That's very good advice. Um, let's touch up before we close up the show, let's touch up a little bit on uh, stress management because stress management is, uh, another big factor when it comes to not just your gut health, but just your overall health. When stress gets to a point where it takes over your life, it leads us into different and very dark places, uh, that we may not want to visit. And I've, visited myself when uh, in my past in my recent and re and distant past where I've fallen into deep depression where I almost jumped off a bridge and recently almost jumped off a, a balcony um I didn't do it uh I know you have uh you have a brother who sadly sadly went went and did it um how would you help somebody who you see, you see that stress is start, starting to overwhelm him or overwhelm her. And what, what are some steps that you would help them with to get out of it? Yeah. Yeah. So again, I'm sorry that you have gone through that personally. Um, depression is so overwhelming and incapacitating sometimes. And so obviously I appreciate, appreciate that you didn't go through with it and that you're still here with us. Um, and I can also appreciate that, you know, just having chronic illness in general, or not even having a chronic illness, but having some kind of chemical imbalance in the brain can kind of feed into this or environmental situations, things that are going on in your life, whatever situation, you know, that you're being exposed to can create these kind of hopeless feelings. Um, I know from my experience, both personally and in my practice, that uh, gut dysbiosis can be at the root cause for a lot of this for people. And sadly, in the, in the instance of my brother, uh, you know, he finally hit rock bottom. Uh, he was having panic attacks, couldn't leave the house, uh, you know, just really kind of a mess, a hot mess. And he reached out to me. We don't live near each other, but he finally reached out to me and said, Hey, Jen, I need your help. And we, you know, kind of went through his health history. I figured out, you know, he was on a crazy amount of medications for all sorts of psychotic different things. Um, it was really quite overwhelming to tell you the truth. And I just said, you know what, let's get back to basics. Let's change some things in your diet. Uh, we took out gluten, for instance, because uh, he was living on pizza and beer, you know, and having that kind of a lifestyle. And the beer was kind of feeding into that fermentation. He had that going on in his gut. And we decided to start low and slow on some nutrients. I happened to know at that time that he had 
impaired methylation. So he had some genetic SNPs at play uh, that were altering his ability to, you know, process different B vitamins, which are good for cognition and energy and all of that and detoxification. So his body was just really toxic. And uh, so we worked through a lot of that uh, with specific nutrients and he was doing great. He would text me and call me and say, Hey, Jen, I've never felt better. I'm able to eat food again. Uh, you know, I'm not having constant diarrhea. Uh, I drove my car the other day for a job interview. Like, you know, he was getting back to life and feeling so much better. And, you know, that speaks to just making really simple changes. And I know sometimes when we are depressed, I've been in this place myself, actually, where you just feel heavy and alone and there just doesn't seem to be any other way out. So I can appreciate how heavy that can feel. Um, but I just would encourage people to hold out hope, right? And keep asking questions, ask for help. Uh, if someone isn't available for you, ask someone else for help. Uh, unfortunately, in the case of my brother, um, something happened that I wasn't aware of and he started spiraling out. And he had gone to his, this was during COVID. So he was on a Zoom call with a psychiatrist that had never met him, that gave him a bunch of different medications. And he decided that I think it was just throwing off his chemistry. And uh, he decided to to take an overdose of all of those things and end his life. And so um, not something I'm really happy about. Obviously, I did not want it to all turn out that way. You know, and as a survivor of that, I feel really guilty uh, for certain things. And I'm just kind of being vulnerable here in Aljohan. But, uh, you know, sometimes these life and death situations can be boiled down to something really simple, like just making a few changes here and there. And I just hope that people understand that if they just have that little tiny seed of faith or hope in there somewhere, that we can water that and, and grow it into something and that there is hope. And I love how you keep it simple. And I, my heart goes out to you um, for, for your, for the loss of your brother. Um, Thank you. I know how hard it is to, to be in the thick of shit, in the thick of the shit when you're in depression, when you're, when you are depressed, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And it's just as hard for, uh, for your family members as well as it is for, uh, for the person going through it. Um, so if anybody out there is suffering from depression, please seek out professional help and do as Jen said, make small changes in your life. Yeah. The tiniest changes in your life can, will, will, will amplify and magnify everything that you do. So if you do, if you are suffering from depression or suicidal thoughts, please seek out help and do one small change today because you yes. are worth it. You are worth it. You, we do want you here. We don't want where Jen and I are both here to not get you to that place where you can't come back. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, dealing with stress though, dealing with stress can be, um, very, um, overwhelming at times other than it, do you have like uh, specific routines that you can put people <laughs> in to help, uh, pull them out of the stress? Yeah, that's a big conversation we have in, in my practice where when I'm working with someone, the stress, just like the eating hygiene 
is at the top of the list. It's one of the top things that we're going to talk about when we're in session together. And it's so huge. And unfortunately, I kind of feel like people, when they first hear like, oh, I'm coming to you for gut issues and we're going to talk about my stress level, like they don't want to talk about that, right? Uh, it's that thing where you have to start peeling away the layers of the onion to get to the deeper root causes of things. And we know that stress in general will decrease you know, our digestive secretion, so it impairs our digestion. Uh, and then it can lead to all these downstream things like SIBO and, and, you know, all these other symptoms. Um, stress is huge because, you know, and I've learned this in my personal life and I may have shared this with you already. Now I don't remember. <laughs> um, I was going, going, going. I see a lot of type A types. I'm a type A. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I've got a million balls in the air. Everybody does. Everyone has so much going on, uh, you know, in their personal lives and work with family, friends, uh, you know, COVID, for instance, really threw people for a loop is still throwing people for a loop. Um, and just like I said, that physiological stress of things that we're eating, that's causing stress in the body. It's constant social media. That's also causing stress for people. Sometimes we use it for you know, coping mechanism to like kind of tune out, but it's actually causing us a lot of overstimulation. Um, and so this is a conversation we'll have. How can we incorporate something small today that'll bring you a moment of joy or peace or calm, right? In the storm of life. And it's really learning how to have the reset. I just recently shared a post on my, on my uh, social media about when you're in a self-healing journey, you want to be a zebra right? And you want to be a zebra because zebras know how to be in the wild and get chased by the lion. And then they run away real quick and then they reset and they go back to eating leaves and whatever they're doing and they're happy. Well, we as humans in this society right now, we don't really know how to do that. We're just constantly in fight or flight and we never get into that parasympathetic. So for example, I might suggest to someone, well, you're sitting at your desk all day at work, maybe doing something like getting up and um, taking the stairs to the next level and then come back or, um, you know, having a, like, I have this, I don't know if you can see this here, a pink salt lamp. It helps with negative uh, ions in the air and helps with peace and calm and clearing bacteria. Right. Um, there's other things like, for instance, what I do between sessions, uh, I don't necessarily advertise that I do this when I'm talking to someone, but between sessions, I'll get done. I'll finish my client notes and I get up and I do Qigong in my office and I like release the energy, you know, because I'm kind of an empath and I absorb people's energy and, and what the, what's going on with them. So I need to release that. Just figuring out ways that you uh, can find joy and calm and peace. Like for instance, I have someone who loves to do art therapy. So when she's feeling triggered, she goes and does some drawing and I have you know, another client, he's really big on being out in nature. So he'll go out and throw the ball with his dog and play, play games with his dog. And that's a way for him to release some of the stress from his day. And so, you know, that's a conversation when you sit down and think about five things, come up with five things that might bring you more joy. And even if it's just a little moment, it doesn't have to be a huge vacation that you're going on, right? <laughs> um, but just some little moment to reset your your uh, nervous system. Awesome. Uh, we're coming up close to the end of the show. And these are the seven or eight questions I ask all my guests. 
Okay. I just want to get your perspective on the uh, on these seven or eight topics. Um, okay. The first question we already answered, so it's about like you know depression and the lockdown. So we won't repeat that one. <laughs> okay. Um, what's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? Yeah. So I when I wake up in the morning you know, after that heart event that I had, I'm just, you know, I'm like kind of grateful obviously to be alive, but I also had this other accident in the fall of last year, uh, which really kind of propelled me into this new higher level of trying to care for myself. So what I'll do every day is just give thanks that I even opened my eyes that morning. And I think to myself, what is one thing my body needs today? that I need to do or make a priority. So today I need to go on a walk today. I need to call my friend. Um, today I need to use my essential oils to calm my nervous system. Right. And so it's always going to be something different, but I check in with myself, my body and my intuition and, uh, you know, figure out one little small thing that I can incorporate to move the needle. Very cool. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> 20 years. Awesome. <laughs> um, at 20 years old. Uh, yeah, I, I was having fun when I was 20. I would probably say something like, Hey girl, you know, don't take everything so seriously. Uh, you know, I was just so wound up in making this goal and that goal and, and achieving X, Y, Z success. And, uh, you know, I would probably tell her, Hey, you know what? You were super creative when you were 20. Why don't you get back to that? you know, get back to expressing things that you love to do and, uh, you know, dive back into that artistic self of yours. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Uh, if looking back, would you change anything? Yeah, well, that would probably be the same, right? I would have, uh, you know, incorporated more joy. Uh, I was really without joy for a really long time, John, I just didn't make it a priority and I did not take care of myself. So that would be, that would be a big message. Just take care of your first yourself first girl. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people living without joy in their life. Yeah. Um, what scares you? Oh, what scares me? Oh gosh. Um, that's a good one. Uh, you know, it's funny. I love my alone time. It's kind of how I reset. It's my sanity, but I do fear being lonely. I, I want to have connection with people and, you know, love and expression and, and intimacy and all of that. So I do fear that I, there may be a day that I don't have that. That's just me. That's real talk right there. <laughs> That's good. Real talk is awesome. Talk. Um, where do you see the SIBO coach in the next five years? Ooh, yeah. So dreaming big here, um, you know, creating what I see as a business full of expansion and spaciousness. I, I really want to do this for myself, um, and for my community. I feel like this has become my passion and my mission in life, uh, after my struggle for decades with digestive issues to help people overcome them for good, right? I mean, these things can go on for a long time and give people hope. I do see my practice growing. Uh, my big goal is to have an actual clinic uh, that'll 
you know, allow for people to have in and out visits, but also kind of a retreat so people can come there and get the services and the care and the TLC that they need. Very cool. How about you personally? Where do you see yourself in five years? Five years is full of, well, expansion with the business for one. Um, I'm headed into menopause, so there's that. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Not really, but um, my kids, I have two teenagers now and they're going to be, you know, in and out graduating from college. Uh, you know, lots of personal things. I am playing guitar right now. I probably have an album's worth of music written. And so I'd love to record some of that. And that's kind of my artistic expression. Uh, and I think just in general, you know, having deeper connections with people and, you know, setting really strong boundaries for my own self-healing. Very cool. Uh, where can people find more about you? Oh, well, that's really simple. So it's online at the SIBOcoach.com. Uh, that's my website. And there they can find more information about my personal journey and my, you know, SIBO training. Uh, they can also get access to a free handout and a video module, which is kind of a sneak peek to what my program is like. Uh, that one I think right now is called the eating hygiene. So, you know, learn a little bit more about the basics of digestion. And we will post all the links to yours, to, to you and everything that you offer. So everybody watching and listening has easy access to you and your content. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Any final thoughts? Yeah. You know, this has been great. I really appreciate your time and inviting me on. Uh, you know, it's just, like I said, it's becoming uh, something that I just feel like I can't sleep at night if I don't do. And that's really kind of trying to connect with people, let them know that there's hope. Uh, you know, that's the thing about having chronic illness, whether it's digestive or otherwise, you know, mental, emotional illness as well everything is connected and it's so important to get to the root cause to peel away whatever there is there and to really inspire people that there's still hope to overcome those things. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, this hour has flown by, we've gone over an hour and uh, it's yes. been, it's been so <laughs> great. I mean, I can spend another two hours talking to you about, uh, I'm a huge gut fan. Um, and um, we haven't even touched up on mushrooms. We haven't touched up on like nothing, nothing, nothing. There's so much to talk about. I could talk <laughs> about guts all day long, John. <laughs> Don't worry, me too. <laughs> but I well, really, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the work that you're doing and bringing this into light with for, with people, especially when it comes to the connection between gut and mental health, because the gut is directly connected to your mental health. The more polluted your gut is, the more polluted your mind is going to be. So I really, really, really appreciate you for uh, coming out and speaking and bringing into light this, this uh, very interest, this very needed topic. So yes. thank you for that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey guys, John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. 
Uh, thank you so much for watching this show. And I really hope that you enjoyed it. If you're watching this on YouTube at Rumble, please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't had, if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell to be notified when we're releasing a new episode because we're going to be releasing, as you can see, we're releasing more and more and more episodes. And if you know somebody who may be suffering and you think that this episode could help them, please share it with them. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, iHeartRadio, or whatever streaming service that you use, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it helps us reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. But before you go, I'd like to invite you to join us at the Podcasters Wellness Alliance, a great platform we can, where we can keep this conversation going. If you're ready to share your knowledge, your life story with like-minded people, this is the place for you. So don't hesitate right now. Hit the link below, sign up to the newsletter, get the call with me, and I'll see you guys on the inside and we can discuss your issues and see how we can better you today, right now.